the Lord had said, had said to Abram, and Abraham and Sarai and Sarah. We're talking about the same people here. So just bear with me. Verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Look at verse 4. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. What would compel a person to pull up stakes in his own hometown and head out for places unknown dragging his wife and nephew Lot with him to who knows where. Seemingly, this is about the most insane and irresponsible action anyone could take. Who in their right mind does something like this? What could Abraham have been thinking? <laughs> Was he thinking? What circumstances fell into place that gave Abram the resolve to do what appears to the onlooker as a very irrational act? I mean, put yourself in his sandals for a moment. Would you have responded this way? Be honest. There's no history here. There's none. Abraham does not know the God of the Bible. He worships idols. He worships creations of his own hand. He worships God's little G passed down from his father Tira to him. He was an idolater. Same as everybody else <clears throat> in the days of the Tower of Babel. Ah, well, I wonder if that could be the clue. Think about this. I mean... What do we know about idols, the, the things that men make and say are gods? Well, David gives us this account. He writes, our God, our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. But their idols, referring to the nations, are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths. They cannot speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. Feet, but they cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Psalm 115, verses 3 through 8. I read that and I think about that. And if there were one word that we could use to label the activity, the activity now, of idols, it could be the word impotent. Impotent. Name any activity characteristic of someone alive and well and the idols of the nations cannot do it. Not then, not now, not ever. Name any activity. David emphasizes this when after saying they have mouths but cannot speak, he adds the thought, 
nor can they utter a sound with their throats. This is not redundant. David is saying that the idols cannot converse in the language of men, but beyond that, they cannot even grunt out a sound of sorts like the beasts of the field who at least have a way of letting their presence be known. My cat, Sabrina, cannot talk the language of men, but at least every morning, every morning, I know she is alive and hungry as she sits outside the bedroom door in the hallway meowing for us to get up, get out of bed, and provide her with some food. Even the beasts of the field let us know that they're alive. They're alive and well. Think then of Abram and Sarai, idolaters, idolaters by practice, who all of their lives have ordered their religious allegiance around maybe a carving of stone or a, a casting of metal or whatever. Impotent and immobile. As Isaiah writes, they lift it, he's referring to the idols, they lift the idol to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place and, and, and there it stands. And from that spot it cannot move. Though one cries out to it, it does not answer. It cannot save him from his troubles. Isaiah 46 verse 7. That's, that's the idols of the nations. There you go. Jeremiah adds, Who should not revere you, O king of the nations? This is your due. Among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there's no one like you. They are all senseless and foolish. They are taught by worthless wooden idols. Hammered silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Uphaz. What the craftsmen and goldsmith have made is then dressed in blue and purple all made by skilled workers. But the Lord is the true God. He is, get it now, the living God, the eternal king. When he is angry, the earth trembles. The nations cannot endure his wrath. Tell me this, these gods who did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. But God made the earth with his power. He founded the world by his wisdom, stretch out the heavens by his understanding. When he thunders, the waters in the heavens roar. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from the storehouses. Everyone is senseless and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is shamed by his idols. His images are a fraud. They have no breath in them. They are worthless, the objects of mockery. When their judgment comes, they will perish. Jeremiah 10, verses 7 through 15. Now you might think that such idolatry is for third world cultures of the world, places like the Amazonians in Amazon or the Aborigines from Australia or the Hindus from India or the Buddhists from China. 
You might think, we Americans, <laughs> we would never be so foolish as to bow down to a piece of wood or a casting of precious metal. I was talking to Rick, Laurie's husband, about the fact that America, the USA, does not seem to have any special mention in Scripture. Have you thought about that? It's, as all, it's almost as though the Holy Spirit has glossed over our very existence, except, except possibly for the description in the Revelation which describes the worship of Babylon, the very nation, emerging from the ruins of the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. And it describes Babel in these terms, Babylon, when the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her, and it's not talking about sexual uh, things with regard to a city, but it's talking, talking about the fact that they have deserted God and went a-whoring after other gods, and God considers that to be 